After another mass shooting in Georgia, will anything change? We don't have to choose between the Second Amendment and common sense gun safety measures. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome, and be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Patricia, it is good to be back. I'm so happy that you guys went forward without me uh, while I was in New York for a friend's funeral. Uh, Our Washington correspondent, Tia Mitchell, filled in very ably. Uh, But it was a busy week besides that. My wife, who's worked for five years on a $440 million hospital uh, at Emory Midtown, she got to celebrate the grand opening last week. And actually, this week is when the patients start arriving. So it's a very busy time in our family. Greg, I would like to fact check you. She's been working on it for 13 years, as I learned in today's interview with her um, <laughs> that, that you posted. And I, I don't know if our listeners know this, but Cheryl Bluestein is the actual powerhouse in that couple. For sure. In that family. Without a doubt. She is so cool and brilliant. And you're great too. But Cheryl is really something else. So <laughs> well played, Greg Lustein. Well, you're right. And A, you're right about her being the, the, the real brains and everything else. Um, but B, you're right. It was it's been more than a decade. It's been about 14 years. But the actual funding and everything began five years ago where, you know, they got the word that Woodrow Foundation was chipping in a huge amount of money. I think it was $200 million. And so, you know, the real sort of nitty gritty work began five years ago and it's kind of consumed her. And she's had other jobs, too, over at Emory. But this has been the main, you know, her main priority. But Greg, I do have to say the work that she's doing, I mean, she's literally saving lives by bringing new, updated, powerful cancer treatments um, to Midtown Atlanta. It is it's just incredible. So many Atlantans I hear of need to go to other cities around the country, travel elsewhere for treatment and to have this kind of um, facility in Atlanta. Um, and now it's one of several. I mean, they already had a Winship uh, Institute. There are other treatment centers as well, but it's just it's fantastic. So I am a Cheryl Bluestein fan. <laughs> so am I. And it was just so cool to be at the grand opening, you know, the sort of the more formal ceremony a couple of days ago, because I'd seen the building a million times, but I never actually got in. And just to see what she's kind of poured her heart and soul into and her team um, over at Emory Midtown, of course, it's this huge team. Um, see it firsthand almost kind of made me tear up, right? It was this, this, this emotional moment, and it's going to change the fabric of our healthcare and the way the healthcare is delivered in, in Atlanta and Metro Atlanta and probably the entire state um, forever. And it's so cool. So <laughs> she's going to kill me for saying all that. We will but, discuss Todd Stein's exciting career on a future episode. <laughs> yes, Todd, your, your time is next week. Um, <laughs> but coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk about why it doesn't look like there will be any significant changes to gun laws in Georgia, uh, although Democrats will be accelerating their calls for those, and how a far-right faction plans to oust traitors from the Georgia Republican Party and what that could mean for Georgia GOP politics. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Patricia, you guys talked uh, last week about the horrific tragedy that unfolded at a medical office in Midtown Atlanta with one person killed and four injured in in the latest mass shooting. And we should note there have been literally hundreds of mass shootings all around the country. Um, We're on pace to break the tragic record of mass shootings. Um, So this is is unfortunately nothing new for our society. And yet, uh, every time there is a mass shooting, there are understandable questions about how this happened and why it's still happening. And in Georgia, that's leading to a fresh debate over the very familiar divide over gun policy and a divide that you recently wrote a column about. Yeah. So I wrote a column for Wednesday just about this ongoing uh, kind of constant pervasive threat that families I talked to around the state really feel like they're living with now, that this has become so normalized, that having lockdown drills and hearing about mass shootings, even one in your hometown, has become um, almost routine. Uh, their uh, Parents are so worried about the long-term effects that has on kids. Um, my kids had their first active shooter drill when they were in first grade. Um, it's just this this world that we did not grow up in. And I think there is a sense from people who are not political, but people who just live regular lives, there's a sense that more could be done, more isn't being done. And people, frankly, aren't even trying um, to bring down the level of gun violence in particular. There are so many parts to that. It's about mental health. It's about access to weapons. It is um, a political problem, a cultural problem. When I say political problem, it's a political conflict, a cultural uh, conflict. Um, There are so many pieces that go into it, but it also feels like none of the pieces are being addressed right now. And so that's what my column is really about. It's not about so much the politicians, but about people just sort of living it and watching it from the outside, looking in. And that sense that, that no place is truly safe, right? If you, just in the last couple of days, we've seen mass shootings at, um, you know, at private homes. Um, we've seen them, of course, at the medical office in Midtown Atlanta. We saw that tragic shooting in the outskirts of Dallas at a popular shopping mall. Uh, and we've heard, of course, at schools and at playgrounds and at parks and at parades and you name it. Um, and that's something that, that, We've seen politicians, but particularly Democrats, point out is that what can be done. And in Georgia, what we're seeing now is Georgia Democrats are stepping up their demands for new restrictions. They're calling on Governor Brian Kemp to hold the special legislative session uh, to tackle um, some sort of firearms control, some sort of new gun limits, um, something that we don't expect Governor Kemp to um, carry out. Uh, you know, he's he's been very, very, very pro gun rights. He's expanded the Second Amendment. He passed what what supporters call constitutional carry uh, and signed into law last year in the heat of the the primary campaign. But Democrats on Wednesday are sharpening their calls for the special session. What they're they're aiming for 
are what they see as bipartisan consensus-driven measures. They're not looking to ban any site, any certain type of weapon or you know, raise the minimum age to buy guns or other things. What they're doing is they're calling for a few specific pieces of legislation. The first would require universal background checks. So it would expand background checks for those buying weapons. Um, the second round of legislation would, and these, these have already are all been introduced, but would call for um, basically safe storage requirements for people who own guns. And the third would be what we know as the red flag provisions, which would try to keep guns out of the hands of people who are deemed by a court or by law enforcement authorities as mentally ill and dangerous, who authorities hope to keep guns away from, if that's the way to put it. The theme that they're going to take on is the hashtag is lead, don't hide. And they're saying that, that basically Democrats want to take the lead on this issue and that Republicans shouldn't, uh, in their view, hide and that Georgians want both parties to come together and lead together on this issue. And they're armed with polls, Patricia, that show that a majority of Georgia voters uh, from both parties want to see some action taken on gun restrictions. So I think it's important to kind of unpack the politics of this and the reality that there will not be a special session in Georgia um, to address gun violence. Look to Tennessee as a good example of what's happening and what's not happening. That's where Governor Bill Lee, who's a Republican, has called for a special session. Um, he did that immediately after, almost immediately after the Covenant shooting out there, up there where several children were killed at their elementary school. His wife's very good friend was killed in that same elementary school. So he called for a special session. Um, that has not happened yet. It won't happen before July 4th, he has said. Um, and that span of time has really given oxygen to the Republicans and the state House and Senate who were saying we're passing nothing. There will be no red flag laws, which is something that he has signed an executive order to move forward. Um, in that amount of time, also, um, the several gun lobbies have come forward and said this is a no go. All the things that are being discussed are unacceptable to us. And it's not the NRA. I've talked to lots of Republicans who said the NRA is over. So when people Think about the gun lobby. It's not the NRA. It's not huge donations really going into the coffers of lawmakers. It is smaller, much more activist groups that don't spend a lot of money on lobbying, but they spend a lot of time activating members and also posting quite a bit of information on social media um, and coming down and testifying, including at the Georgia State Capitol and really issuing warnings to Republican lawmakers. And there was a member of uh, Georgia gun owners who was down to speak out against a bill from State Representative Michelle Al. That was the Pediatric uh, Safe Storage Act. That was to say that it would be a crime if, um, if a loaded weapon was made available to a minor without parental supervision. There were lots of exceptions in that bill. It did get a hearing at the subcommittee level, which is quite unusual. But at that hearing, a representative from Georgia gun owners said, anybody who supports this bill, we will have retribution against you. Um, he let off. He read off a list of lawmakers who he said they had defeated in the past and said this goes doubly true for Republicans. So if you betray us, we will remember. Um, so just overtly warning Republicans sitting in that subcommittee, like, this is not happening. 
with our support and without our support, you're going to have a big problem in your primary. So that's a major impediment um, to this situation. The second piece of it is um, Governor Brian Kemp. I have talked to nobody who thinks that anything's going to happen without Governor Kemp. Um, the, the, The exact phrasing I heard was this either needs to be his idea or it needs to look like his idea. And we've seen no indication that Governor Kemp, who has been a real an incredible supporter of gun rights, major expansions to gun access under his governorship. We've just seen no hint or indication that that's going to change. He's had a really different demeanor as a governor than he did as a candidate in 2018 when he had that famous gun ad. Um, The demeanor is different, but the policy is there. And without Governor Kemp um, and with these really heavy levels of opposition in a GOP-controlled legislature, changes to gun laws are going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, and it's seen as, as you mentioned, very unlikely that Governor Kemp will spend his political capital on restricting or any or even any, any sort of overhaul of gun rules, especially as you mentioned your first part, Patricia, um, with the strident pro-gun groups that are out there who are painting any sort of change in gun laws as uh, sort of in absolutist terms as an infringement on Second Amendment rights. And, you know, that's changed the dynamic in Georgia because some of these these pro-gun groups that, that have emerged in the last few years, um, they see the NRA as sort of mealy-mouthed centrists, right? They, they are not willing to compromise on any issue uh, when it comes to any sort of new gun regulations um, or anything that could be seen as a new gun regulation. And the, as you mentioned, they're threatening uh, all sorts of primaries or retribution to those lawmakers um, who do back that. And so without someone like Governor Kemp, without, without or down the road, if there's a Republican president, it seems like it either have to come from a Republican governor or a Republican president. Because even as Kemp allies will note, when Democrats had full control of Washington, they weren't able to pass sweeping gun restrictions. There was more limited action, but they weren't able to to pass sweeping gun restrictions uh, in the way that they've promised their constituents. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is just this is also an issue that will pull some conservative Democrats over uh, onto uh, Republican side, particularly in the U.S. Senate. Somebody like Senator Joe Manchin um, was willing to do um, kind of more moderate, modest reforms, but nothing major. And when you look back at the history, particularly of mass shootings, and mass shootings are the highest profile, but of course, there's really constant pervasive gun violence and suicide by gunshot wound um, happening every day in Georgia. Um, but you know, you know, people I've spoken with is if, if nothing happened after the Las Vegas shooting, where more than 50 people were killed, nothing, very little happened, some, you know, modest reforms after Sandy Hook, no major reforms after uh, the Nashville shooting at Covenant of just little elementary school students. They can't imagine what it would take. Uh, it would take some something really significant or, quite frankly, a change in leadership or a change in the makeup of the um, Georgia State House and Senate or much larger majorities in um, the U.S. Uh, Senate and uh, House. So with these narrow majorities and a polarized environment and these really, really strident pro-gun groups, it has created a real dynamic of just almost total calcification on this issue. And so you can understand why why parents kind of watching from the outside looking in say, well, I don't feel like anything's happening. Um, it's because nothing is happening. And 
nothing is happening, but we certainly have seen, at least in Georgia, a transformation on the Democratic side uh, on this issue because not terribly long ago, 2014, 2010, 2006, those statewide elections, Democrats running statewide um, were either kind of neutral on the gun issue or they were supportive of gun expansions. And, you know, I mean, Roy Barnes, when he was running for governor, actively sought after the NRA endorsement, right? And it wasn't seen as anything, you know, terribly out of line. It, it was it was seen as a must for a Democrat to win in Georgia to sort of neutralize the gun groups or any sort of backlash they'd get um, from the NRA and those types of groups. And so you've seen this sort of sea change with now, if you're running for any sort of office as a Democrat, you know, to come out against gun control would be sort of a end your campaign right there. And Senator John Ossoff, when he was running um, for the 6th District U.S. House race back in 2017, made that an early point of his campaign. I had the chance to talk to him uh, a few days ago where he added his voice to the chorus of Democrats calling for a special session, calling for gun restrictions immediately. He recounted how he brought his, uh, his young daughter and his wife to the Atlanta Zoo over the weekend and couldn't help but kind of look over his shoulder and, and, and with some concern about whether or not someone at that public place uh, could be holding a weapon. Here's what he said to me. Why isn't the state legislature in an emergency session? Why are they not working on a red flag law right now? Why are they not reconsidering laws that they have passed that eliminate any basic standards on concealed carry? Questions that Democrats will continue to be asking. This Tuesday, May 16th, AJC subscribers can join Patricia and me in a virtual audience for a taping of Politically Georgia Live Georgia gets ready for the 2024 Spotlight. It's easy to register for this online event. If you're an AJC subscriber, just go to live.ajc.com or click the link in today's episode description. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. We're not only the host of this podcast, but we're also two of the three authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community right now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts and get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. 
and there's been a lot going on, Patricia. We want to talk about another story that has been fast developing in the world of Georgia politics. And this is something that's kind of lurked on, you know, out there on the surface for a long time. But now it's considered a, a legitimate, a plausible possibility. And that is there's a group of ultra conservatives who go, who are under the sort of umbrella of the Georgia Republican Assembly. It's been a faction that's kind of been on the fringes of Georgia Republican politics. But lately, as the state Republican Party kind of loses some of its clout, more mainstream members are retreating, getting sidelined, being relegated from the group. This faction, uh, this far right faction has, has grown in significance and it is openly pushing a rules change that would give the state Republican Party new powers to block candidates from qualifying to run as Republicans if they're not deemed to be sufficiently conservative or, as one supporter said, if they're looked at as a traitor of the party. And Patricia, we don't think this will pass this year, but senior Republican officials who are aligned with the Republican Party of Georgia have said that it's a real possibility and it's probably going to be a perennial issue. This would change the face of Republican politics in Georgia and also lead to inevitable legal challenges. Yes, you can already understand um, or envision the legal challenges because this standard would probably apply to a number of statewide Republicans who just won their own primaries with huge victories um, uh, but might be swept up by a vote like this by this increasingly, increasingly more activist um, far right uh, element within the Georgia GOP. It could keep them from running as Republicans again. Is that really legal? I don't know. But think about more than likely somebody like Governor Brian Kemp, somebody like Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Those are the types of Republicans and actually the exact Republicans who have run into the crosshairs of the Republican Assembly in the past. And so the, the problem for Republicans is that those are also the guys who win, not just win their primaries, but also win um, statewide. And those are the ones who are attractive candidates and not just attractive candidates statewide, but prove to be dominant candidates statewide. So if you have a situation where, where a piece of your base, not even the base of your base, but the piece of your base has is empowered to make these kinds of decisions that could ultimately be really disastrous down the road, um, that's a major problem. But as we were saying, there are um, a lot of these conversations on abortion, on guns, on a number of social issues in particular have been dragged to the right where um, the Georgia GOP, uh, let me also add in their um, election kind of security, Mm -hmm. support for Donald Trump. Um, All of these issues have have really turned somebody who is a kind of a more mainline, mainstream conservative Republican, somehow they're not conservative enough by their standards. And so that's a major (laughs) problem down the line. But as Governor Kemp and as other leaders find that they don't need the state GOP for a lot of things, including a ground operation and including for fundraising, but they may need them to get on the ballot. Um, That's a really strange situation and they're going to have to work this out, uh, it looks like, pretty quickly here. Yeah, it's a unique position because the Republican Party of Georgia has, as we mentioned, diminished clout, right? It is not the force it, it once was. It's always been a hotbed of, you know, of more conservative elements of the party. 
And certainly they've clashed over the years with the party's more mainstream candidates and just frankly, just anyone who's elected. <laughs> because there's there's just Nathan Deal had problems with them, Sonny Perdue had problems with them, Johnny Isaacs and Saxby Chambliss, and now Brian Kemp. And we covered at length the problems that Governor Kemp had with the state party uh, a couple of years ago when he got booed at the state party's convention down in Jekyll Island. Um, there was a lot of backlash. Um, but back then, the governor was trying to appeal to, to many of the delegates and decided that he wanted to show up. Um, now he doesn't need them. <laughs> and frankly, there's a new state law that allows him to use something called a leadership committee that he can raise unlimited funds and kind of run a parallel organization. You know, they still have a role and they still have a, frankly, they have a, they have a discount. They can, they, can air, uh, they can send mailers out at a discount um, that a campaign can't take advantage of. And they also oversee qualifying of candidates. Um, but there's also a risk when Governor Kemp and other elected officials kind of boycott these groups and say, we don't want anything to do with them. Um, it also leaves a vacuum for the more fringe elements to get involved. And as we talked about a few in a recent episode, that meant that folks like Candace Taylor, that has meant that more fringe Republicans like Candace Taylor, like, like Nathaniel Darnell, who's leading uh, the charge for this rules change, have gained clout in the state Republican Party in a way that is really distressing uh, to the one-time one leaders of it. I mean, I heard today from John Watson, um, who is the former Republican chair, who's Republican chair not terribly long ago, just a few years ago. Um, here's what he told me. The GRA, the Georgia Republican Assembly, is, which is pushing this idea, is a cult masquerading as a movement. Delegates to the state convention should be wary of unlabeled juice made in barrels when heading to Columbus. So he's obviously uh, tying them to a, a poisonous cult out there, um, a suicidal cult in a, in a sense. Um, but really, you know, this reflects a lot of concern from Republicans. Some are just trying to kind of wash their hands of it and creating their, you know, channeling their energy elsewhere. Others are still involved in the state Republican Party, hoping that it can be salvaged. Either way, um, this points to just another dividing line that Republicans face. People always say, well, what about Democrats? And for the most part, Democrats certainly have divisions, deep divisions within their party, but we don't see this play out on the same stage. I mean, uh, there are a lot of concerns over President Biden, of course, and his age and his, and his agenda. But at the same time, he's kind of using Donald Trump and the specter of his comeback bid as a unifying force, whereas Republicans continue to be very divided over Donald Trump. And we're hearing from these far-right factions who are still focused on 2020 and election fraud lies in a way that Governor Kemp and other Republicans are saying, hey, let's just move forward. Let's focus on 2024 and not 2020. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, Governor Kemp and Brad Ravensburger would also like them to focus on 2026, like keep this a viable, healthy statewide party. And I think the details of that kind of proposal are going to matter a lot. Um, when would they have that kind of veto power? How many people, what percentage of the votes would it take to have veto power over somebody running as a Republican? That is just an immense amount of power. Um, but depending on who shows up for the vote, 
decide the rules of the party. I mean, that's a real speed bump for Governor Kemp in his getaway car as he was zooming away from the Georgia GOP um, really as fast as he could. This reminds him and other candidates in the party, um, this is all your party. You can't sort of uh, sequester yourself off from the most difficult pieces of it and move on with life if they are going to have this kind of control over the platform and over just the literal details of who can run as a Republican. That is a major, major problem. Um, and the Democrats, of course, have divisions with their own ranks. Um, but the smaller a party is, and frankly, the less power a party has, there's just not as much to fight about. Um, they don't, they, there is a discussion, there's a disagreement right now, even among Democrats about how to go about dealing with the gun issue, um, how to go about dealing with the abortion issue. Uh, do you take a more pragmatic approach that could actually yield um, smaller, more moderate, discrete results? Or do you really kind of go for a big message and propose things that are never going to happen just to show that they're never going to happen? You know, so the Democrats have their own disagreements, but it's just not the same high stakes. Um, Democrats are going to need to start to put up some really viable candidates who can and do win statewide. That's going to set the course of their party. But the unusual situation for Republicans is that they have candidates who have won in a dominating way statewide, and they still have a situation where all of the members of their party, including the most vocal elements, are not getting on board there has not really been an attempt to get them on board either. Um, but again, if that piece of the base is going to have a significant control over the future of these candidates, they're going to have to come back to the table. It will be very fascinating to watch how this all plays out. Um, coming up on Friday's episode, we can answer your questions on this and any other topic you want to ask about from the listener mailbag, which you can now call into. It's the Politically Georgia podcast hotline. You can call anytime, leave a question. We'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. Producer Shaney B. cannot wait to hear from you. Call anytime, day or night. We'd love to hear from you. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, or whenever news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. 
So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.